This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, January 18th, 2024. I'm Caleb Brown. Just why hasn't Taiwan been fully absorbed by China? One reason may be the ongoing dysfunction inside China's military. Cato's Eric Gomez says the situation ought to create space for Taiwan to arm up, but it's not clear that U.S. policymakers or Taiwan's leadership wants to do it. We spoke last week. It is no secret that China views Taiwan as China. Yeah. It is also no secret that Beijing would like to fully subsume Taiwan into China. The United States and other countries have made unclear promises to Taiwan to stand up for them. But it seems that the best ally that Taiwan has right now is dysfunction within the Chinese military. Correct. Is that is it fair to say? I, I think so. And so the on January 6, 2024, the business, no, sorry, Bloomberg had this really interesting article about corruption within the PLA. And some of the examples of it were very lurid and quite frankly amusing. Two of them being that missiles were filled with water instead of the proper fuel and before being sent out to units, and that silo fields, newly constructed silos, the doors weren't built right. And so they couldn't open the silos to launch the missile. I found this very funny. I made a joke when the silo fields were discovered, or, or when the, not when the fields were discovered, but when the commanders of the PLA rocket force, the PLARF, which is a hilarious name, got removed from their posts a few months ago, that back in uh, like mid-2023, that, oh my God, what if someone's cousin had the construction, the concrete construction business, and this was all a deal to just like, yeah, we'll build these silos to like grease some palms of people. And I meant it as a joke, but then this report came out and I'm like, oh my God, that might have actually happened. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting to see this news come out and it definitely has long and near-term implications for Taiwan. Okay, so can you explain the dysfunction? Now, a, a Hayekian or uh, even a, a rudimentary mainstream economist might say, well, this is what you get. This is central planning 101. Yeah, pr pretty much. I mean, the, so the party, the PLA is the party's gun, right? Uh, is loyal to the party in a one-party system. And it has struggled with corruption for a very long time. Things like, you know, officers taking money devoted for certain that were supposed to be spent on certain pieces of equipment or what have you, and instead throwing parties for themselves and their buddies, you know, stuff going missing in order to grease the palms of individuals. And the corruption was such a big problem. In fact, uh, there's this quote from a Rand Corporation report from last year talking about how China sort of sees its own military challenges and their progress towards them. And I think it encapsulates this corruption problem really well. Quote, Xi Jinping's overarching concerns with corruption in the PLA went beyond the impropriety ex exhibited by senior officers. His aims centered the party's legitimacy and the PLA's ability to effectively prepare for someday having to fight against the United States if the situation arose. 
So from the view of China's leadership, this is not a question only of a few bad eggs or a few bad apples messing things up. This is like, we cannot become a military capable of standing up to our main adversary, the United States, if we have these problems, because the problems run so deep and are so damaging to military readiness. And it's not like the US military is perfect in this. I'm sure that there is corruption or, or impropriety in the US military and in the defense industrial base. However, that does not undermine or question the sort of overall readiness and the ability of the American military to perform in combat. In China, it does. <laughs> and I think this is something that when we think about how strong is China, what's their timeline for considering a military action against Taiwan, this is an area that has been mostly overlooked in popular discussions of how strong China is. So what are the, some of the practical effects here? You know, for, for Taiwan, it might be a great relief that there may be some significant delay, at least, which is something you've advocated for the U.S. trying to deliver to Taiwan, which is we need to give them the space, the time to arm up. Yes. So I think that these issues, and not just corruption, but in analyst circles, these are sometimes called like non-material factors of effectiveness, the, thing, the not physical stuff that makes the military work well. Things like training, troop quality, the confidence that you have in your leadership. And when it comes to this question of time, if we only look at, if we only count ships and planes and missiles, China looks 10 feet tall. They look like they're ready to go, that this war could happen to take Taiwan at you know, moment's notice. If we look at all the non-material stuff, that picture looks much more questionable. And importantly, the Chinese military and writings about themselves are like, we are not ready. We, we need more time by kind of trying to fix this stuff. We've realized how far we need to go. And so for me, what that means is let's be cool, calm, and collected. Let's not say that oh, shoot, this, this war could happen at any moment. Therefore, we need to do really drastic stuff now to prevent it. Because what I worry about is if we try to do the drastic stuff really quickly, that the Chinese military says, well, we're not quite ready yet, but the political leadership, you know, Xi Jinping's like, I can't let this American stuff stand. I'm going to try something. I'm going to try something just to be like, signal, hey, you know, you guys are crossing lines here. So I, I think that's the good news for Taiwan, right? We have the time, we have this space that we can be sort of slow and calmly help Taiwan's defense improve without going, without us freaking out and going all in on stuff that could have really bad follow-on effects. So what is the appropriate response for U.S. policymakers? What, is, what should Taiwan be doing now? So I think that the U.S. should do, and I wrote about this in a Cato policy analysis, Taiwan's urgent need for asymmetric defense published in November of 2023. But I, I think there's sort of two baskets of things that the, that the U.S. should do. I think basket one is helping push Taiwan towards uh, an asymmetric defense strategy, which basically just involves the, the military shifting its focus 
of what it procures, the Taiwanese military shifting their focus of what they what they buy and how they use it to be more like sometimes called a porcupine strategy, right? Like focus on building lots of things like missiles, unmanned vehicles, mobile stuff that you can move around. So that's that's sort of one path, right? Help the Taiwanese military be in a better self-defense place. The second basket has to do with how the US relates with China. And I think what's really dangerous is if we kind of do things like the Pelosi visits or the president of Taiwan meeting with a lot of members of the house when she came through the United States, I I think those types of things are lots of rhetoric signaling we are here to defend Taiwan no matter what makes China nervous about how much room for maneuver they have. And so I think we need to give China that like ability to just not have like an automatic freak out at anything we do with Taiwan. And that means we need to practice self-restraint and think about, you know, not necessarily what is best for Taiwan holistically, but what is best for this sort of longer term preparation to defend themselves. Because that, if you can't guarantee your survival, the other stuff doesn't matter. But how much has the U.S. projected to Taiwan the idea that ultimately they are responsible for their own defense and that the U.S. response might be over underwhelming relative to the promises that the U.S. has made? I don't think we've done enough of that. I, I think the the supposition on Taiwan's side is we will show up. Another aspect that's kind of frustrating that I've seen is Taiwanese saying, well, we can't prioritize unless we know you'll be there, right? So they're kind of playing this game where they're saying, look, if you want us to go heavily in on this asymmetric defense porcupine strategy stuff, we need the stronger signal from you guys that you're in it with us. And I think we need to be more willing to play hardball with them and tell them like, you know, like this is a common problem with the US. We have so much leverage given how much stronger we are than a lot of our allies that we could bring to bear to get them to do things differently. And we're so hesitant to, right? Because we get so caught up around this, oh, well, oh no, what if they think this means we won't be there for them? And I, it's very frustrating because I think that, you know, Biden, Trump, Obama, like multiple presidents from both parties have tried to do things to sort of twist a bit, like arm twist allies to get them to help more. Cause we look at the world and are like, listen, we can't keep, we don't have the money. We don't have the resources. We can't keep backstopping everyone all at once at the same time. We need these people to, to step up. And it's just been so hard, even in Europe right now, after the Ukraine war started in 2022, several European countries got very gung-ho about, all right, we're going to spend more on defense. We're going to you know, reinvigorate our defense industrial sectors. And the effort, it hasn't gone away, but it's definitely fizzled. Like the, There's much less enthusiasm now and sort of more questioning of, oh, well, the US is doing a lot here. Maybe we don't have to. So that threat of Listen, you you don't know what's going to happen, and it's best in your best interest and in our best interest if you were not so weak. So I really hope that with the upcoming Taiwanese election that that will 
create some sort of political space for us to communicate to a new Taiwanese administration. Please do more. We really, really, really need you to do more here. And, but we'll see. I don't know. I'm not very optimistic that will happen. But I hope that seeing what's happening in Ukraine, especially, that Taiwan will recognize that number one, it's not impossible for a weaker country to resist a stronger one. And number two, I mean, you know, how much you can rely on the U.S. to do might be less than you thought. And it seems that, especially with regard to U.S. opinion mm-hmm. with respect to Ukraine, mm-hmm. that Taiwan should pay special attention to that yes. because U.S. opinion on U.S. support for Ukraine is on the wane. Yes, it, it went really high uh, right after the war started, and then it's been slowly but steadily winnowing down ever since. Eric Gomez is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please. And thank you for listening. <laughs>